theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Open up your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to be reading from the New King James today. And the word of the Lord reads, And it happened when he was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Let's stay in Luke and let's skip down to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now what happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Praise God. What the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you today is simply this. Are you touched or are you whole? Are you touched or are you whole? If you're in our in-person worship experience, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I can remember when we first had Mia and Lincoln, there was a special time of bonding that we shared with skin-to-skin contact. I'll never forget it. Sarah and I were eagerly awaiting their arrival and to be able to hold both of these magnificent creatures in our arms and to be able to look at them and connect with them and begin to be able to hold one another and make this connection of flesh to flesh was uh, special and has left an indelible impression upon myself. And the medical community tells us how important it is, particularly in the newborn period. It helps to calm babies. Moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about full well. Not only does it help to calm them, but it actually calms the baby to such an extent that they actually cry less and sleep better. There's some studies that even show that their brain development is facilitated uh, better, if you will, probably because they're calmer and getting more rest. It seems to help mothers and fathers alike. It reduces their stress level, and their parents report lower levels of depression, and they even seem to be more in tune and sensitive, if you will, to their baby's cues, and the babies are more responsive to their parents throughout this entire process. They even recognize their parents earlier, so the relationship between mom and dad is off to a fantastic start. 
We're living in an interesting day though because we are not able to connect with one another like we used to. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing FaceTime and WhatsApp video and Facebook Messenger video. I could go down the list, Google Talk or Google Meet, whatever, with Skype, we've got it, you name it. But there's something about being able to connect with one another in person. I understand social distancing will prevent infections or mitigate infections, but it can have unintended consequences. In response to this global pandemic that we are all facing, public health officials are asking us to do something that does not come natural to any of us because we are a social species. They are telling us to stay away from one another. So in other words, in other words, practice physical distancing, avoid large gatherings in close contact with others. It's critical to flattening the curve and to mitigating the risk. And I believe we have all done our part and I'm thankful for that. And I believe, let me just say this, we should be doing our part in that regard. And the government continues and health officials continue to articulate recommendations and Extraordinary Church is following them to the T. However, uh, over long periods of time, social isolation, this is scientifically proven, can increase the risk of a variety of health problems, including heart disease, depression, dementia, and even death. There was actually a study done by a scientist at BYU, Brigham Young University, and the colleagues determined, he and his colleagues determined that chronic social isolation increases the risk of mortality by 29%. Whew. I want you to just let that settle in. Many of us are dealing with anxiety and angst and depression and even fear because we've been isolated from people that we're accustomed to connecting to, being able to sit across the dinner table from friends and break bread, being able to hug people that even though we're not biologically related, we are connected closer than blood because of the connection or uh, closer to, uh, to blood relatives because of the connection that we have with one another. We're missing that and some of the side effects or the unintended consequences are other health problems and other health concerns are going through the roof. Even mortality is increased up to 29% in this season. People are not even going to connect in a larger gathering, if you will, by the thousands as uh, they're not able to go to concerts or sporting venues. And you all know that I enjoy sports and I, I love soccer and I love basketball. I love a variety of things. You name it, I'm usually into it and I love engaging. I can remember uh, where my, my father-in-law and I, we went to a game and one of the cool things about sports is it transcends so many things. It transcends generations and it transcends cultural differences. Now, my father-in-law has never been a man of many words uh, and I'll never forget this. Uh, we went to a football game and uh, we were watching the University of Virginia play Georgia Tech. And uh, it was a back and forth game. And it was down to the last play. Uh, and really what we needed was a miracle, the University of Virginia to win. We had the ball somewhere around our 30, 35 yard line. I'll never forget it. Uh, we threw the ball to the, a wide receiver in the flat and he called it, he was running and he was about to get just knocked out. And right when he was about to get hit, right when he was about to be hit, he just lateraled the ball uh, to another teammate who was down the sideline. And I'll never forget it. 
touchdown. We win the game with no time on the clock. And my father-in-law, who was a man of not many words, uh, he and I are jumping up and down. We were jumping up and down. We were celebrating. We were holding hands. And before we were shocked, we were like, why? Because sports and coming together. They tell us, these uh, sociologists tell us, and one in particular in Harvard, that it dramatically magnifies the sensation for you while also reinforcing the idea that you're a part of something larger than yourself. That's what happens when we get in large gatherings because we realize, hey, I'm a part of something special. Sometimes when you're isolated, you can be vulnerable and you can be weak. And can I just tell you, this is why we say you might need to practice physical distancing. Yes, we all need to practice physical distancing. Thank God for that, and we're doing that. But don't practice social distancing because you need to stay connected. The enemy knows if you are isolated, you are weak. But when you're with the pack, praise God, when you're with the pack, you'll be protected by your brother and your sister. Can I just encourage you for a moment? I'm telling you, God is reaching for you. You don't need to isolate yourself any further. If you are allowing the impact of COVID-19 to cause you to withdraw and you no longer connected in life meaning, engaging deep relationships and friendships. I want to challenge you. Shake yourself. Shake that off of you. Reach out. Call somebody. Let them know you're lonely. Let them know you want to connect. Meet with them in a driveway. Meet with them at a parking lot. Connect and watch God bless that and watch your countenance change because a friendship can encourage you. Praise God. If you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. If you're thankful for the body of Christ, clap your hands unto the Lord. It's been clinically proven that physical distancing is leading to heightened feelings of anxiety and depression amongst the general public. And this is exactly what people dealt with when they had leprosy in the Bible times. In those times, leprosy was a vicious condition with no new known cure, caused lumps as well as scale-like wounds to grow all over a person's body and could lead to complete degeneration of the skin and twisting of the bones, ultimately uh, deforming its victims. Fingers and toes and ears and even noses would just literally rot away and fall off, making it difficult for a person to breathe and more likely for them to go blind, as well as making it impossible for them to do any type of work to provide or to survive. Dr. Paul Brand, who worked with lepers in India uh, and the United States, he wrote a book with Philip Yancey. It's titled the gift of pain. And in this book, he tells of a story of a four-year-old named Tanya. When her mother brought Tanya to the National Leprosy Hospital in Louisiana, Dr. Brand immediately noticed the little girl appeared totally calm as he removed her blood-stained bandages and examined her dislocated ankle. As the doctor gently moved to assess her foot and the extent of the damage, Tanya appeared bored and even disinterested. She felt no pain at all. Her mother explained that she first realized Tanya's problem when she was only 18 months, a year and a half. She had left her daughter in a playpen for a few moments, and when she returned, she saw Tanya finger painting with large red swirls on the sheet. And she didn't remember giving her daughter any paint 
when she got closer, she literally screamed in horror. Tanya had bitten off the end of her finger and was using her blood as paint. When her mother screamed, the little girl looked up with streaks of blood on her teeth. See, Tanya suffered from a rare genetic condition called congenital indifference to pain, a condition very similar to leprosy. In every other way, she was a healthy little girl, but she felt no pain at all. Seven years later, Tanya, uh, Tanya's mother called Dr. Bram to tell him that the little girl had lost both legs to amputation, as well as most of her fingers. Her elbows were dislocated, and she suffered from sepsis, from ulcers on her hands and leg stumps. She had chewed her tongue so badly that it was swollen and lacerated. See, years earlier, Tanya's father had even left because he couldn't handle the stress of raising her. He even called his own flesh and blood a monster. But Tanya was no monster, only an extreme example, a human metaphor, really, of life without pain. Yes, leprosy can be contagious, but Dr. Brand assured colleagues from the excerpt of this book at the hospitals that they were in no danger. Then one night from a long flight from America to London, Dr. Brand went to his hotel and began to get ready to retire for the evening. When he took off one of his shoes, he realized he had no sensation in his foot. The numbness terrified him. He found a pen and stuck it into his skin below his ankle. Nothing. He pushed deeper into his flesh. Nothing. He pushed deeper and then blood began to appear and he felt no pain. All night, Dr. Brand laid in bed, his mind racing, thinking, imagining his life and what it would be like as a leper if he is indeed contracted leprosy. How would it affect his personal life? Would he have to leave his family and live in a colony so they did not catch it? What assurance could he now give his staff that they too would not contract the disease? The next morning, as the day dawned, Dr. Brand picked up a pen after a restless night of sleep, stuck it into his ankle, and this time he yelled, Ooh, it hurt. From that day forward, whenever he felt discomfort from a cup, nausea, or anything else, he responded with genuine gratitude. Thank God for pain. I tell you, it's all about perspective sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes your pain is not you. Let me just pause, pause here for a moment. This is not in my message, but you do need to understand there is a purpose to your pain. Not only is there a purpose to your pain, but there is a power you will draw from your pain because your pain is not there to kill you. You need to sometimes, we need to sometimes realize pain is to let us know that, hey, I'm alive and well and that God is with me. Pain is to let us know that his grace is sufficient. Pain is there to let us know that, hey, you can be empathetic. You can be concerned about somebody else because when you go through pain, you'll understand what they're going through. You won't be so quick to judge. You you won't be so quick to say, get over it. You'll be more sensitive and sympathetic to what's going on in their lives. And this was the case. Many of us are dealing with that same thing. Oh, if I get it, if I get COVID-19, could somebody else get it? Could I give it to my loved ones? Whatever the case may be. This is exactly what a leper dealt with to a degree, except obviously we understand the severity of it is much greater. See, that what they had to literally do for those who would um, contract leprosy, they had to let everybody know, specifically the priest who would evaluate their condition and diagnose them as clean 
or unclean. And I want you to hear me. Unclean meant you were counted as good as dead and banished from the city to keep this disease from spreading. See, lepers were forced to live in tents, caves, or designated colonies in the wilderness. They wore bells literally on their attire or on their garments to alert people of their presence. And they were required to yell, unclean, 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 should anyone accidentally come within legal range. These people were literally ripped from their families. They were disengaged from their homes, their friends. They were no longer able to connect with them. And any other comfort of life you can think about, the only hope and relief that a leper would have is death. Can you imagine that fear? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the pain and the anguish that these lepers had to deal with? We're living in a similar day where people are afraid. We live in a day where, and let me just say this. Let me just make this abundantly clear. I totally understand, appreciate, and encourage a balanced and responsible approach to COVID-19. As long as followers of Christ, we are not allowing fear to shape our decisions. Because we do not operate from a place of fear. We operate from a place of faith. However, I've talked to many folks in and outside of EC, and many of them are afraid. I'm afraid to go out. I'm afraid to go to the grocery store. I'm afraid to go back to work. I'm afraid to see my loved ones. I'm afraid to visit with my friends. I just feel like I need to stay in the house. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but what I am saying is don't let fear motivate the decision. Let faith motivate the decision, because if it's not a faith, It is sin. God is with you. God is for you. God has got you. God cannot forsake you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He is right by your side. Somebody thank God for that because he's a good God. But there are many of us, and if we're not careful, here's what I feel. We will allow fear to prevent us from pursuing, fear to prevent us from trying to achieve, fear to prevent us from trying to triumph. Many of us are scared of success, and it's deeply embedded by the spirit of fear that has come through COVID-19. In the last days, the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them for fear. We're living in a fearful day. See, people just don't walk up and say, I'm afraid. But what we do is we hear the shivering tones in their conversations and discussions like life is too painful and too difficult. I'm too young or I'm too old. I'm just mentally tired and emotionally drained. I am burnt out. I'm physically exhausted. I'm preaching to somebody today. I don't have the financial resources. I'm afraid to face a new path or some herefore unknown experience. I can't survive another day of COVID-19 or I can't do this alone. I can't face opposition and criticism. I'm unable to make hard decisions. I cannot take prolonged pressure. The future can be frightening, but that's why I want you to know that God wants you to succeed. God wants you to make it. Praise God. Not only does he want you to make it, if you'll stick with him, you will make it. If you'll stick with him, victory is imminent. If you'll stick with him, you will overcome. If you'll let God lead you, you'll make it through this. If you'll let God lead you, he'll be your strength. If you'll let God lead you, he'll be your joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? God has not a 
abandon you. God is with you. I'm calling you out of fear today. I'm calling you out of panic today. I'm calling you out of heartache today. God is here to do a work in your life today. He's here not only to touch you, but to make you whole. I'm telling you, God is calling you this hour. And if you believe that, you ought to give him praise. Somebody ought to open up their mouth and thank them. In our in-person worship experience, look at your neighbor and tell them, you can't stay where you are. God is calling you. Praise God. I've got good news. You're going to make it. Look at your other neighbor and tell them you're going to make it. There's not a neighbor here, but I'm looking around. You're going to make it. I'm looking at you. You're going to make it. I'm talking to you who are here. You're going to make it. Look at me. You are going to make it. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you why I got good news. Jesus stepped on the scene. See, the news of this preaching healer had been spread from town to town and even gotten to the leper colony. And Luke said there was a man full of leprosy who approached Jesus, which means he had the disease for a while. Many of us have been struggling with some things for a while. Praise God. Can I tell you, we've had addictions we might have been struggling with, stuff nobody knows about. You've got heartache that you've been harboring for a while that nobody knows about. You've got something in your life that's just weighed you down and nobody else knows about it. You've been dealing with it for a while. He had the disease of leprosy for a while. He had been living in a physical and an emotional Hades, if you will, okay? And then somehow there remained in this man a modicum of hope to violate the law and throw himself at the feet of Jesus. There's some of you right now that didn't have the strength so you thought to even push to get online or to come into the in-person worship experience, but by the grace of God, you are here nonetheless. You might be here with body pain. You might be here with back pain. You might be here with heartache, but can I tell you, there's something in you that says, if I can just get a hold of Jesus, if he can just touch me, if he can just get a hold of me, I know I'll make it. This is exactly what this leper thought. See, who knows his background? Who knows what he studied? Maybe he was a student of the law. Maybe he was familiar with particular prophecies and there's something that sparked this hope. Maybe he heard of the miracles over and over again and what Jesus had done. Perhaps his understanding of the prophecies had changed when he began to hear about Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, doing miracles, signs, and wonders. Can I tell you, but something in him said, oh, this is my day. This is my opportunity. And when he heard, when he heard that Jesus was near, he said, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. Can I encourage you no matter where you are? If you are here listening to me, there is hope. There is a grace and mercy that is calling you today. God is reaching for you with his goodness and his mercy. So he gets to Jesus and he says, Lord. If you will, you can make me clean. Praise God. This type of conditional statement indicates that this this leper here doesn't presume to know whether the if is true or not. The leper didn't doubt Jesus's ability. However, his past experiences, especially with the religious authorities, as they had banished him into outer darkness, so to speak, caused him to probably doubt the Lord's willingness to cleanse him. So he asked him in a way that like, I won't blame you if you don't. I'll understand if you don't want to touch me. I'll understand if you want nothing to do with me. 
See, the leper expected nothing, but he still had this hope. See, that's where some of us are. Some of us are here today and we're like, God, I'm here. I'm crying out to you. I I understand if you don't, uh, but if you will, if you will, if you will, if you will. He doesn't try to bargain with God. He doesn't try to justify his condition. He simply presented the need to the Lord and remained open to whatever God wanted to do. Praise God. Can I tell you, that's what we need to do today. Just make it plain. Just say, God, here it is. And now you do what you want to do. Praise God. If you just let him do what he wants to do, he'll be God and we'll be us and we'll be a lot better for it because he is God on the throne. And do you know what's fascinating about this? Jesus was not only willing, he did the unthinkable. He reached out and literally touched the man that society had rejected and called untouchable. So Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. See, in other instances, Jesus merely spoke a word and the miracle took effect. But in this instance, we have one instance where he spoke and he wasn't within 20 miles of the individual that was healed. Praise God. But in this case, he chose to touch the leper's diseased skin as to say, You know what? Your disease doesn't prevent me from accepting you. Praise God. The best story, best part of this story isn't that the healing took place. Yes, the healing was awesome. And it isn't the faith of the man, though that's an example of us for us to follow. The best part is when Jesus's hand reached out and touched him. Praise God, because Jesus could have spoken words, but instead he bent down low reached out and touched a man who no one had been willing to touch for a very, very long time. He touched him before he was clean. So while the words of healing restored his body, no doubt Jesus' touch restored his soul. Can I tell you, there's many of us that are longing for that interaction. I've talked with many of you that were at our in-person worship experience this past Sunday, and you're with us again today. You said, Pastor, it's so good to be here. I know I can't touch anybody. I don't want to touch anybody, but it's good to be with the body of Christ. It's good to sing songs. It's good. Can I tell you, it's good to be touched, and I, can't, I, I, I want you to hear me. There's many of you all in your journey that you've received a touch from God, and that's great. Physical touch is good, and a touch from God is good, but God wants us to go from being touched to whole. Praise God. I quickly share with you the story about 10 lepers. We know when we read this earlier, uh, he, 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 they, they get his attention. They stand afar off recognizing, hey, we're unclean, but they say, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he says, be healed at his word. Now, my God, my God, what kind of faith it took. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they begin to walk, at some point or another, they took him at his word. And at some point, they were healed. But what's interesting is this. Nine of them go on their way. But there was one who decided to come back. Nine were okay with the cleansing. Nine were okay with the touch. And they went on the way. But there was one that said, I can't take this touch for granted. There was one that said, it's no small thing to be in the presence of Jesus. So I'm coming back so that you can make me whole. Because if you read on in that text, the Lord said, where are the other nine? But you know what he did? He looked at that one that came back and said, your faith has made you 
whole. Can I tell you today, God doesn't just want to touch you. He wants to make you whole. I don't know where you've been in your journey, but can I tell you how you become whole in his presence? It's when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you've been baptized in his name. Is there anybody that's thankful for that today? And let me tell you, you might have felt his presence. And you might have repented of your sins. And I praise God for that because that's the touch of God. But Jesus Christ is here today, not just to touch you, but to fill you. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. God wants to not only touch you today, but he wants to make you whole. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.